Oh, yes, it does. Thanks, guys. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. This is Fast Money. I'm Tyler Matheson. In tonight from Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Steve Grasso, Carter Worth, Guy Adami. We're also joined by Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. And tonight on Fast, we follow the latest developments out of the Middle East. President Trump saying he is not looking for a regime change in Iran, but he is nonetheless deploying thousands more troops to the region after a U.S. airstrike took out the country's most fearsome military leader. Iran, meantime, threatening swift revenge. The escalating tensions rattling markets and bringing the record rally to a halt, a pause maybe. The S&P, Dow and Nasdaq all finishing the day in the red. Meantime, oil prices spiking to their highest level since April on fears of major disruptions to the global energy supply. And President Trump just took the stage at a rally in Miami. We will monitor that event. If he makes any new comments on Iran or others that seem germane to the markets, we will bring them to you. But let's begin with today's market slide. Last night's attack clearly sending jitters across Wall Street. So if you're along this market, is it time to rethink your strategy? Guy, I yes, think Tyler. like you, I was surprised that the market didn't react more negatively than it should did. we rethink the shirt tie combo first we well, well, i want to we tell us what the that. specials are is there exactly about. First That's from all, the Adami collection. it's great to have christina here it's her first i mean we're all big fans of her work i just wanted to sort of match it was just a blue to me blue. being the blues me a being different <laughs> yeah a little different. i feel it works. very welcome i mean the yellow and blues are a very strong thing Tyler. i didn't very. get the memo what, what was your question oh no, Should if you, you told your strategy. Well, I, I thought that for a while, incorrectly. And if you told me last night at the end of the show what was going to take place, you said, where's the market going to be tomorrow? Based on the fact that the Dow was up 300 points, I said, well, we easily have to be down 2%, if not more. The VIX should be north of 17. The NASDAQ should be down 120 or so. TLT should have rallied, and it did. Gold should be higher. But the fact that the market's down, you know, not even a percent today is remarkable given the backdrop of what happened. Forget about just what happened in terms of Iran. That ISM number was a disaster. It's the worst number we've seen in 10 years. So, you know, global economies, in my opinion, are slowing. You have this now geopolitical risk, market at all-time highs, and the fact that we can't even budge effectively is remarkable to me. You know, Steve, we're going to talk mm -hmm. more about oil in just a minute, but, but I look at some of the oil stocks, and I was surprised that some of them were actually down today, some of the Oversupplied. The, yeah. the, we, we outproduce, the U.S. outproduces Russia and Saudi Arabia. And when you look at all those economic data points, those are all backward-looking. They, they would have been impacted by trade. You would expect them to be impacted by trade. Going forward, let's see what Monday looks like. You're going to have every talk show talking about it this weekend, right? Yeah. So everyone's going to put their spin on it. Are, are, are investors going to feel weaker or stronger about it come Monday morning, and a lot of people are still out on vacation this week. I mean, the key is that the refiners were hit so hard, which yeah. you would expect with the bump in crude. But the refiners have been struggling for a while as, as crude. And this spike is quite different than the sort of drone attack spike, which was a flare-up and a give-back. This has been more enduring. And I think it implies that energy, at least for now, will be an outperformer relative to the overall market. Christina, how, the simple question for me is how much riskier did the market get today than it was 24 hours ago? How much more volatility should we be prepared for in 2020 than we had in 2019? 
Well, I think we should have gone into 2020, regardless of this, expecting more volatility. Geopolitical risks have increased around the world, and this is just one of those incidents. I don't think we're going to see any kind of immediate backlash, but it will hang over markets, as do other geopolitical risks. I guess it depends on what the retaliation is, right? Well, Tyler, hasn't the world been pretty risky when you said how much more risky hasn't it been one-sided hasn't it been a bunch of rhetoric hasn't it been iran kind of flaring and and thumbing their nose at the u.s for quite some time now this to me says to them put up or shut up is it going to escalate really quickly i don't think so the the million dollar question is where does china and russia line up on this with iran and do they force the u.s to the table right and also at what point does move higher in crude start to impact the consumer because that's a big part of the market and a big part of the economy obviously we're not at that point yet but there are a lot of studies that suggest you get a year-over increase of 50 70 percent it starts to become a problem we're not there yet but the further you go it's going to start to but you know steve last night i sat around this table Mm -hmm. and i sat around the table on power lunch earlier in the day and i listened to a lot of what was going on believe it or not and (laughs) i didn't hear the word iran come up once never not once it was not one of the risk uh elements that was out there absolutely and now it is in a big way but we can't ignore some of the other risks we've got north korea Right. We're still waiting for them to test some kind of big missile, right? That is one of the risks. We also have the risk that once the U.S. signs a deal with China, if it does sign that phase one deal on January 15th, that then we could potentially have the U.S. turn its sights on Europe and begin a trade war with the European Union. So there are a lot of risks out there. There are a lot of risks. Uh, You know, Guy, let's talk a little bit about some of the groups today and how they performed. Airlines down, as you might expect, as oil prices go up, but not down all that much. Uh, Defense stocks, by and large, higher. Makes sense. I mean, to me, the airlines on the back of oil, it's not necessarily just on the back of oil. It's on the fact that maybe people are now potentially not willing to travel as much as they had been over the last couple of months. I think there's an aspect of that. Defense stocks we've been talking about forever. This is just one more sort of tailwind for that group. But quickly to answer your question about volatility in a different way, does it surprise me? A hundred percent. But it makes sense if you think about it. The advent of passive investing over the last couple of years absolutely has dampened volatility, whether intentional or not. And I think the Federal Reserve and other central banks globally have taken volatility out of the equation. So the market, incorrectly, in my opinion, is there's a bull market, there's a bubble in complacency. And now when passive stops becoming passive, and I don't know when that happens, I wish I could tell you, it's not going to be, I tell you, it'll be active, it won't be active on the upside. So this whole, you know, the advent of passive investing coupled with central banks that's why volatility has a 15 handle instead of, in this environment, a 22 handle. So we began by asking, Guy, is this a moment where you rethink your strategy uh, heading into 2020? Yes or it's no? impossible to rethink it based on today on, on one day uh, because we're so close to all time highs and the odds are that we go higher from here. I think still the day of reckoning is where earnings come out, Q1, where estimates are and do, do, does the market, the corporation step over? Those estimates or do they hit a wall? That's going to be the true reckoning, and that's going to be a longer-term event versus a one-off Iranian event. So final question before we move on here. Uh, Christina, uh, Guy said there is a bubble in complacency. Has the market failed to discount not just the, the, uh, the geopolitical risks that, that manifest itself last night, but all of those other risks that you referred to? Is there a bubble in complacency? Well, I think the answer is actually that the market has priced in central bank support. 
And so even if you do have those geopolitical risks, which are somewhat priced in, you also know that there are central banks like the Fed standing ready to support markets. And I think that has changed. And the not equation. just by cutting interest rates, but by uh, the, the operations to uh, on the balance sheet side as well. Absolutely. All right. We're going to uh, leave it there, but uh, we'll, we'll keep talking about this all half hour, I'm sure. But we're going to dive deeper into the energy market right now. Uh, on a day that saw oil prices jump more than 3% after last night's uh, airstrike, crude now trading at its highest levels since April. Joining us now is our friend Halima Croft, Global Head of Commodity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets and a CNBC contributor. Halima, what are your thoughts today as you watched the markets unfold after last night's uh, events. I mean, I think it's hard to overstate how momentous the killing of Qasem Soleimani was. I mean, he was the most powerful operative in the Middle East. You could argue the second most powerful figure in Iran. I mean, I think what we're really looking at is, you know, the prospect of significant Iranian retaliation. Now, some people have said, well, they have to put up or shut up. But frankly, since May, we have seen almost unprecedented attacks on energy infrastructure in the Middle East. You know, tankers being struck off of UAE's territorial waters in May, tankers seized over the summer. And then on September 14th, you know, Iranians were basically sent cruise missiles and drones and took out half of Saudi's oil production temporarily. So I don't think we should be complacent about Iran's ability to respond and be chaotic in the region. And so I think what the market is doing right now is waiting to see, you know, what they bring forward in terms of additional attacks and whether we can sort of weather a disruption storm. But the, but the, but the, but the U.S. administration has moved as well from, I'm not going to, complacency is not the right word for it. Right. But, the, but the U.S. was pretty patient in the face of all of those provocations. Absolutely. Uh, and Absolutely. now maybe there is a new phase and a seismic shift uh, where the president and the administration is saying enough already. We're not going to take this anymore. And so if Iran comes back with some further provocation, we may punch back twice as hard. And I think that is the issue about a retaliatory spiral. President Trump has drawn a red line. He's drawn this red line over the summer. He's not going to use U.S. military assets to protect Persian Gulf energy infrastructure. He says that is crude going to Asia. We have supply in the U.S. But his red line is no Americans can be killed by Iran or Iranian-backed groups. And he enforced that red line. You had a U.S. civilian contractor killed on a base in Iraq on Friday, and he has responded with force to that. So if the Iranians retaliate in a way that targets more Americans, you can expect the U.S. military to respond potentially on targets inside Iran. So again, I don't think we are done with this. I don't think this is a blip or a momentary issue. I think we are looking at the prospect of further back and forth between the U.S. and Iran over coming months. So who's got a question for Halima? So, Go so, ahead. Uh, so, Halima, when you talk about how momentous of a, of a, of a killing this was uh, for the United States or, or what a loss it was for uh, Iran, w does it make them change their strategy? Is it that type of a tipping point or is it more or less it just ratchets up all, all the leverage that they have on us or we have on them? I mean, I don't believe the supreme leader of Iran is going to back down in the face of this. He is vowing revenge. And I do think that, you know, again, it may not be tomorrow. It may not be the next day. But over the coming weeks, we will see some type of significant Iranian response. And so the question is, 
Does this lead us back to the bargaining table? I don't think we're anywhere near getting back to the bargaining table. And someone on your panel talked about North Korea. And an issue no one is really talking about is, what does Iran do with their nuclear program? They have been restarting enrichment of uranium in facilities that are heavily fortified over the summer. The question is now, do they potentially withdraw from the nonproliferation treaty and make a quick dash to having nuclear weapons capability? Do they go the North Korea route? And so I do think that the risk is really high that we are going to see further escalation in this standoff between the U.S. and Iran. I do not think the Iranians are going to back down after what happened yesterday. Christina or, or Guy? Who had a oh, question? Christina. Halima, bottom line, where do oil prices go? Well, again, I think what has been interesting is, again, we have had unprecedented attacks on Middle East energy infrastructure. But because of concerns about the trade war, because of concerns about global demand, that did not really move the needle in terms of the market. Now, with trade war fears receding, I do think geopolitics can exert much more of an impact on the market. Yes, there is a U.S. supply story. So perhaps $80 Brent is the new 100. But that does not mean that we cannot go higher on the back of what I think is going to be further escalation in the coming weeks and months. All right, Halima, thanks very much for your insights tonight. As always, we appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, let's trade uh, uh, what Halima just said and, and our thoughts about oil. Carter, is the, there a trade here sure. for you? I, I think the key is what oil did in relation to what it did after the missile strike, right? On that day, it was Monday, September 16th, it spiked as high as 63.38. And then it went almost back to 50, gave the whole thing back. Now we have been deliberately and very measuredly moving higher. And today we spiked to that high of September 16th and actually made a slight new high at 64 and change. This, in principle, is a move to a prior high, which is a setup for ultimately a breakout well into the 70s. What do you think? So, so for me, there's, there was a, a couple of names, uh, a few names that I had mentioned. XEC uh, is one of the names, WPX Energy and RIG. These are all names that have been up recently pretty big. And, and it could be M&A. It could be energy just laggard trying to become a leader. But I think that's the beta in the name, in the names in the energy space, if this progresses any further. Well, quickly, we've talked about Schlumberger now for a while. Basically, since October, when it made that double bottom around $30, the stock is up 33% or so in the last four months. And I think it can go higher from here. They report on January 17th. You know, I think a lot of analysts will start paying catch-up. I'm not suggesting you hold it post-earnings, but I think this is a stock you can continue to own into earnings. Look for the April high, which I think was around $47. I think that's where it's headed. Who was it last night? Well, you remember we did that contrarian segment last night? You guys weren't here, obviously, but you were who said the idea that energy going from laggard to leader was was I said short term you could have a trade but it's not going to last but it's a the trade fully, but it's not going to last it's a trade it's not going to last and I think the most important thing for me is going to see we already heard from China today that they're looking at what's going on with it with, with a real uh, uh, a specific eye on it regarding trade I want to hear from Russia because we've seen in the last couple of weeks we've seen those joint military operations between China Iran and Russia I think we're having, they're having another one uh, tonight or tomorrow night. So that's going to be really interesting to me to see how much bigger this is allowed to get. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, we found some green arrows in today's uh, Red Sea, so to speak. Just ahead, we'll tell you what sent Tesla shares into overdrive. And later, we'll reveal today's mystery chart. This retail stock showing surprising strength in today's down market. We'll tell you which company it is and why. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast. Right after this. You know, familiar with this song? 
It's that's cars. a use. It's, it's that's right. Cars. Buy. One Gary Newman. We don't need. It's only a half hour show. Come on, Tyler. I'm so Gotta pick I'm it up, man. Great. All right. Uh, welcome back to Fast Money. Go to check out. It would not be a day, would it, without a discussion no, of Tesla? Got it. Would it? I, market's no, open. We right. talked about it last yeah. night. We're going to talk about it again. Shares of uh, the company topping the tape in today's session. It passed a major milestone after it delivered more than 100,000 cars in a quarter for the first time ever. And Tesla says it delivered 112,000 in the fourth quarter, far above Wall Street's estimates. The stock touching new all-time highs on the news. So will Tesla's record rally hold strong this year? Steve, what do you think? Uh, so you never know what to look at this as. Is it a battery company? Is it a car company? Is, was it a going out of business company? Is it the SEC company <laughs> that we're worried about slaps on it? So, and all of that stuff, stuff seems to be sort of analogous to the overall market. It shook off a lot of different headwinds. And right now, technically, the stock is just helium. And I see overshoot levels of around 500 to 520. And every day we come in, with another tailwind, makes me more confident that we'll get there. And when you look at the relative strength index, the way when it's overbought, it works it off really, really quickly and just ratchets right back higher again. Guy? It's hard. I mean, listen, I've said it countless times. I mean, I thought this would stall, you know, in the 320s or so, and here we are pushing to levels that Steve just talked about on seemingly nothing except a lot of hopium now. I think the headlines... From China, a lot of the China headlines regarding Tesla, I think that's a lot of this. I think people are getting really jazzed up. Maybe rightly so. I don't know. I heard maybe incorrectly that Gene Munster made some positive comments, maybe changed his price target to the upside. Again, all the news has been wind at their sales. But, you know, you're one tweet, one bad delivery, one whatever away. And I... Again, I thought this would stop 150 or so dollars ago, so you have to so take that again. Well, real question, well, away. how much is priced in? Right? It's always yeah. that. Right? At what point are you paying the right price or too much or not enough for what's coming in the next 6 to 12 months? My hunch is it's, as you referred to, overbought, obviously. The question is, how much time does it have to work that off? And I think it's considerable time. I would sell my Tesla longs here. You would sell Tesla yep. long. All right, let's uh, move on. For more on Tesla's record quarter, you can head to our website at CNBC.com. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. Shares of L Brands bucking the market sell-off today. What's got one analyst so positive on the stock? And later on Options Action, Apple getting another vote of confidence from not one, but two brokerage houses today. But how should you play this stock as it soars from one record after another? We've got all that and more after the break. Welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. L Brands getting a nice pop following an upgrade. It is our call of the day. Bank of America upgrading that stock to buy, raising its price target to $25 a share. Analysts say the stock is cheap and the company's Bath and Body Works brand is, quote, one of the best stories in retails. L Brands gaining nearly 8% on this otherwise down day. So is L Brands a diamond in the retail? You like the stores. You were just saying? Steve and I were just talking the about fragrance you know, you like. potpourri, you get the candles, the whole thing. Facial scrub, you're, which you're I'm a, a huge romantic fan of. They sell ties? Pardon me? What? <laughs> <laughs> I knew where you were going. Very good. So I like the story. Yeah, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, again, 
You have a huge double bottom. We talked about that. The stock has a 9 10% short interest. Valuation is compelling. And it can overshoot to the upside. Deutsche Bank, I think, initiated with a hold $22 price target in mid-December. You saw the Bank of America note. I don't know if it gets to 25 but I have a pretty good feeling it gets to like 20 and a half, 21 which is basically where we drop down from if you go back and look in late August. Christina, how healthy is the consumer? Well, I am concerned about the consumer. It looks very healthy right now, but there's a vulnerability built in there because we know such a large cohort of consumers doesn't have much in the way of savings. In fact, a bank rate survey... paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. And so if anything were to change about the employment situation, which is admittedly uh, excellent right now, but if something were to change, that could introduce a significant amount of pressure on the consumer. And I think we've been riding the consumer for so many years, though. Years now, we've come to accept that the consumer will always be there and will always be strong. There could be a, a what about day of with reckoning. The record low levels of unemployment? I mean, this is something where... I, I get what you're saying, but I think we have a l- huge amount of slack. But it's not working that in autos. It's not working in consumer brand names. If you look at the equal weighted sector, it's making seven-year lows. I mean, if you get rid of the big high flyers, Home Depot, Nike, Amazon, Starbucks, the sector, the stocks that one can invest in are terrible. Yeah, I don't, but I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a, a, a reason or if it's just where money's flowing to right, certain Right, but if, if one is still trying to invest against a benchmark, this is not an area that's working. Well, I think so many companies are still trying to figure out exactly which channels to exploit, um, how, to em- you know, how to emphasize online versus in-store sales. But for me, I just think of statistics like 28% of Americans have no emergency savings. Um, there is only a small portion of Americans, less than 25%, that have yeah. more than six months in savings. So there's a built-in vulnerability if something were to go south in the employment situation. Well, and if oil prices go up and keep going up, that's going to take more money out of the consumer's pockets. We've exactly. got to go to the final trades and go around the horn. Steve, you first. It was a red day today, but what was green most of the day? Snap, my favorite stock lately. Snap, S. N-A-P, stay long. Carter. Energy, XLE for equities or USO if you want to play crude. Christina, do you have a sector or a pick? I do. I'm very excited about China, in particular Chinese technology companies. C-Q-Q-Q is the ticker. And Huge OA coming up, Todd. we got Tony Zhang. Love him. Oh, yeah. Young talent coming yeah. onto the desk. It's outstanding. Big, I might just hang out and watch the whole show. <laughs> yeah. With that is said, he your final trade? Huh? Is he your final no, trade? No, he's not. Slumberger is there, wise guy. We got to leave it. Uh, don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next. 